Hello everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Critical Chef Podcast. My name is Kelvin Cedeno, and I am the Critical Chef. Uh, If this is your first time, I want to say thank you and welcome to the Critical Chef table. I appreciate you joining me. I appreciate you tapping in, liking, following, subscribing, downloading, and listening to my thoughts. If this is not your first time, hello again, and welcome to another episode of the Critical Chef Podcast. Uh, I appreciate all the feedback I received on the last episode, a lot of comments, a lot of insight, a lot of people hitting me up asking me when the next episode was going to drop. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's society. Maybe it's life, powers that be, that don't want me to release another episode. It's been very extremely busy at work. Uh, Somebody caught corona, then there was an outbreak. Um, Then one of the supervisors got hospitalized, which ended up me doing a bunch of overtime. Plus, you know, I'm still dealing with this homeschooling thing with the kids, so it's just pretty ridiculous. Um... I have gotten some like user questions and emails and DMs from people, and I appreciate all the feedback. I really do. But it's just right now things are just really annoying, and hopefully now that this is over, I can get back to just doing what I want to do, which is make more episodes. Uh, I did get a question recently to my email. Uh, it was from one of my listeners in, I think, France or something like that. I don't remember then. I, I don't have it around me right now, but I know the question was, uh, what did I think so far about the Biden administration? And frankly, you know, nothing that I'm surprised at at this point. Media loves him. Uh, impeachment for Trump went nowhere. Still no stimulus. Back to Afghanistan and Iraq. Um, you know, Still helping Yemen, even though they acted like they were. You know, empty executive orders, just like Trump. Just a lot of posturing and BS, but nothing's really going to happen. So, uh, as far as right now, I just have to say that nothing. I have really no opinion of his administration because nothing's really happened. Um, Outside of that, uh, COVID is still going, right? Fauci... And and Cuomo are still out here getting praise, even though they're doing, I don't know what they're doing. People are still scared. They're even more scared because not only do you have to mask, but you have to wear double masks. Um, there's more UFO disclosures. And just, a, you know, just a lot of weird things have been happening. 2021 has been a very, very, very odd year so far. But, you know, that was expected. That was expected. Uh the one thing that I will say that has that I have not expected is uh, how quick the narrative and and things have shifted in terms of how quickly just the overall attitude of the country is now because of the change in presidency. You would think that these guys are kingmakers, but they're all just fucking criminals. And people somehow think that things are going to get better when in reality things are only going to get worse. You know, you hear them talking about how COVID is going to last for another year and that jobs won't recover until 2023. And this is just, you know, going to continue all the way probably up until 2025 when they drop another neurovirus and we get another pandemic from 2025 to 2028. If you want the article for that, uh, I can send it to you. It's a white paper done by a a British and there's a British or American university about a 2025 to 2028 pandemic. Uh, but never mind, you know. Uh, that's pretty much it so far for me, for what's been going on. Like I just said, past two weeks have been a little crazy. Past three weeks have been a little crazy. And, you know, I appreciate you guys sticking with me. Thank you very much. I love all of you. Appreciate all the feedback. I, you know, trying to come up with some new stuff, new formats. YouTube channel coming soon. There's a lot of things in the works. It's just, like I said, I got to get a lot of things done. But let us get to the brass tacks. Uh, this is a topic that people have been asking me about. 
And it's also something that I've been discussing, defending, fighting, criticizing, having conversations with people. And I just feel like now that the election is over, nobody has been killed by cops in a brutal manner this year like that. I decided I wanted to tackle the topic of wokeness. So, ladies and gentlemen, please enjoy this episode on the problem with wokeness. See you at the end. Okay, ladies and gentlemen. So, if you live in the United States or Europe, France, I mean, Europe is a continent, but if you live in the United States, if you live in the UK, France, Germany, any, let's say like Western or quote unquote first civilization, right? Speaking in the old language, uh, you know about wokeness, the woke people, how to be woke, what is wokeness, wokeism, you know, people who are socially and racially woke, who understand the inner workings of society and how race and class, you know, people who just, the woke people, you know who they are. Um, it's permeating our culture, it's permeating our society, it's all over the place in classrooms, it's in corporate America. Uh, Joe Biden signed executive orders to preach, uh, what is it called, uh, to teach about race in schools and to teach about race training in the government and Essentially, it's just permeating everywhere through feminists, trans people, LGBTQIA, cis, lesbian, queer. Everybody is woke. Everybody loves to be woke. Everybody is woke for wokeness sake. But I have to do my responsibility as the critical chef, and I have to let everybody know that there is a problem with wokeness. There is a huge problem with wokeness. And wokeness will be very problematic if people do not uh, stand their ground. Now, I will say this, that at first, I'd probably say like 2015, 2014, I didn't really have a problem with wokeness. Um, I wasn't really mad at it. I understood it, why it existed. I got why it was a thing, why... People were onto it, but I would say like probably until like 2016, 2017, I was like, okay, I see where this is headed. I see where this is going, and I feel like now in 2021, it's exactly what I thought it was going to be, and I have these conversations with people prior to this, and they said, Kelvis, you're tripping, and those people are not like Kelvis. You're right. Uh, these conversations that I have with my friends now where they work in corporate or they work in marketing, they work in finance they work in education and you know they all tell me like this stuff is everywhere you can't escape it you can't say certain things you can't do certain things and i understand that there's a line that needs to be drawn of what people can say what people can't say but the people that i know they're not those type of people who go out of the way to be offensive or rude to anybody and even them they're getting shit for things that you would think that would be fine but i guess they're not right uh but, you know, wokeness has a lot of problems, right? Being woke, in my opinion, is problematic. I don't like it. I don't like anybody who identifies as woke because automatically you're identifying a, an ideology which identifies behavior, which identifies stereotypes, which identifies a crowd that you identify with, a group that you identify with, which means that you use language, identify with that group, you act a certain way that's identified that group, and you do things that are identified that group. But... My main issue with being woke or wokeness is the fact that it is now kind of becoming the only voice in society, and that is not a good thing. So something that started out as well-intentioned, something that came off as thoughtful, that came off as groundbreaking, that came off as, you know what, a different perspective, is now becoming problematic because... The road to hell is paved with good intentions, right? And we can discuss many reasons why wokeness has a, is a problem. I have reasons. I can list them. I'll talk to them. But I think the first thing I want to... Just the first point that I'm going to make again is that 
it was something good. And now it's not something good because wokeness has essentially been co-opted. It's been co-opted and hacked by corporations, by athletes, by politicians, uh, by law enforcement, by everybody, just to make themselves look good, sell you something, virtue signal, or tell you that they belong to a tribe or make you think that they belong to a tribe, right? You see, like, Amazon, when you open Prime, it's like black black creatives, respect black creatives. You see it on Netflix where it's like black movie directors or black artists. Uh, you see it in cartoons where now they have these, like, oh, don't be racist ads or, you know, these, these, these movies where there's always this type of character for no reason, even though it doesn't call for the storyline. Uh, you know, you see politicians like, for example, the Democrats when they, you know, wore their scarves and kneeled for eight minutes and 96 seconds and people actually, what they wanted was legislation against police and that backfired. But, you know, it's being co-opted. It's just being controlled. It's being changed and it's being used to push a narrative and push an ideology to make everybody obey and fall in line, right? Uh, now... There was an article in the Atlantic by Helen Lewis, which is called Capitalism Drives Cancel Culture, which I thought was very interesting. Uh, And in this article, uh, Lewis discusses the issues with capitalism, right? And one of the quotes she says is that uh, brands will gravitate toward a low-cost, high-noise signal as a substitute for a genuine reform just to ensure their survival. Uh, She says, I'm not using the word woke here in a sneering pejorative sense, but to highlight that the original definition of wokeness is incompatible with capitalism. Uh, And this is uh, taken from Ross Dudat, who said that uh, those with power inside institutions love progressive gestures like wokeness, solemn monochrome social media posts deploying racism, appointing their first woman to the board, firing low-level employees who attract online fury because they help preserve power. Those at the top who are disproportionately white, male, wealthy, and highly educated are not being asked to give up anything themselves. So essentially the people who would be affected by wokeness or would be attacked or questioned or canceled under wokeness are actually using wokeness against the people themselves to keep themselves in power. Uh, Helen Lewis continues in her article when she says, uh, end quote, let's look at another example of how woke capitalism operates. In the aftermath of George Floyd's death and protests that followed, White Fragility, a 2018 book by Robin D'Angelo, returned to the top of the New York Times paperback nonfiction chart. Robin D'Angelo is white, and her book is for white people, encouraging them to think about what it's like to be white. So an American book made by a white American, bought by white Americans, is a response to the Black Lives Matter movement. And the response was to buy a book about whiteness written by a white person. And that just goes to show you about how kind of blind woke people are. Because it allows people to infiltrate. It allows people to co-op. Like uh, there was a professor who was posing as a Bronx Latina woman. And she was outed. Well, she outed herself in an article on Medium. Uh, You know, and she tried to make it seem that you know, she was trying to do best and trying to bring light to things. But this woman was essentially acting as a brown person for the sake of wokeness. And then even in her wokeness, she tried to defend the killers of Junior. And you guys know, uh, if anybody doesn't know, a Junior was a kid who was 15 years old in the Bronx who was killed by Dominican gang members. And she tried to defend his the, the killers. But apparently this woman was woke, but in reality she was just a white woman posing as a woke Hispanic Latina from the Bronx. And then you have, like, I, like in this article, like Helen mentions, Robin D'Angelo, who is a white woman selling white guilt to people in the name of wokeness. Um, there was also a, an article that blew up a couple years ago. Uh, from Kathami Got Weary. She was an artist. And in in this book, in this article, uh, she discusses uh, about wokeness being used for ulterior motives, right? And she says, uh, wokeness tends to overlook nuances and complexities of people's lives. 
place carding them only in black and white posters and essentially robbing itself of the ability to understand the interconnectedness of issues. Yes, there is a thin line between ignorance and bigotry, but woke politics assumes willful offense on both counts. The concept of wokeness itself, just like for every progressive ideology, stems from a good place with good intentions. However, it has been commercialized to garner social capital for individual people and for corporate business. Principally, this means commercializing and profiting off people's pain and suffering. Uh, Avisha argues that the ability to garner profits by aligning world politics creates the possibility for ulterior motives where corporations may care less about social justice, more than uh, may care less about social justice issues and more about profiting for them. For example, Nike signed Colin Kaepernick to star in their stand for something commercial, which prompted record sales shortly after the commercial was released. Kaepernick was a football player at the time who was an avid supporter of the Black Lives Matter movement and actively protesting police brutality towards black people in the United States. His political action of kneeling during the national anthem before each game was met with a wide controversy and backlash that cost him his football career. However, Nike utilized the controversy and profited massively from it. While it's important for big corporations to take a stand on social justice issues, their financial motives often remain examined. And this was a very good uh, example, very good quote about how Nike signed Kaepernick. They dropped the jersey. They dropped the sneaker. It sells out. Kaepernick gets a $35 million deal from Nike. Nothing happens in regards to social justice, police brutality in America, period. Uh, no legislation that has passed has been very important. Uh, most legislation just ruled things out that were already ruled out and didn't really take away money from the police. And for example, these woke people who call for defunding the police, it actually led to a rise in crime. And now in Michigan and New York and other states, they are bringing back the police that they originally defunded so so once again you have you know a movement being co-opted by corporations politicians athletes who are using it to virtue signal they're using it to make money they're using it to get followers using it to get support using it to gain notoriety and make themselves famous when in reality they don't really care they're not knowledgeable and they don't seem to actually be involved or care about what's going on uh, one of the also interesting things about this article was that Kathomi Gatry said that it tends to overlook nuances and complexities of people's lives and place cards them in only black and white posters. And that is another issue with wokeness where that it labels everybody. And the problem with labels is that these people who tend to be woke or tend to say that they're for racial progress, if they were for racial progress, they wouldn't really label anybody. You know, Martin Luther King, the beacon, the hope of hope, the, 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 the representation of racial justice in America said that he hoped to live in a world one day where his kids were judged by the content of the character, not the color of their skin. But in 2021, it seems to me that everybody is judged on the color of their skin by the wokeness, by the woke people. And what it does is that it essentially takes away from the fact that America, a lot of America's problems don't even stem from a racial issue. It stems from a class issue. This is a country of haves and have-nots. And the people who are have-nots are fighting amongst themselves when the people who have are just laughing. And this is like, for example, you have this problematic ideology of like how to be an anti-racist right now. There is an article by Ben Shapiro, and everybody could say, oh, fuck Ben Shapiro. He's a crazy conservative Jew. I happen to like Ben Shapiro. He makes some good points. I happen to also like people on the left. So if anybody wants to come at me for being some conservative writer, you can go ahead. I'm an independent. I don't really count in regards to voting because I don't lean Democrat or Republican. I am an independent liberal, and that's it, right? So in this article, The Problem Anti-Racism... Ben Shapiro says, Ibram X. Kennedy, author of How to Be Anti-Racist, says racism is no longer to be defined as the belief that someone is inferior based on race. Instead, racism is not is to be defined as the belief that any group differences can be attributed to anything other than racism. Thus, any system that ends with different outcomes must be racist. Mr. Kennedy contends racism itself is institutional, structural, and systemic. To be anti-racist means you have to tear down these systems. Any obstacle in pursuit of equality of outcome must be torn down, assumed to be a product of discrimination. Basic decency then means that we must have been considered hallmarks of freedom. 
This means that America's culture of rights, a culture that suggests an obligation on the part of individuals to respect the right of others, even if they disagree, must come under fire. That culture reinforces hierarchies and inequalities after all. The classic liberal says that rights fall equally on the just and the unjust alike. The anti-racist suggests that rights are merely of tools of power. And this is an interesting thing because, because our differences in America is what makes us great, right? Black and white people, Hispanics, blacks, uh, Indians, Asians, everybody in this country lives together. And our differences is what makes this country America. The fact that so many people who think differently can live together under one roof. Now, obviously, I'm not going to say that there are not people who are racist in America or who are racist that are take part in systems. But to make everything about race, meaning that look at you as a person. I don't look at you as a person. I look at you as a black person first, as a black female person, as a black cis hetero person, as a black cis gay person, as a black trans, like all these labels being attached to people doesn't make things better. It makes things worse. It makes things problematic because the only way to stop racism and technically the only people who can stop racism is the racists themselves. But secondly, the best way to stop racism is to treat people like people and not make everything about race, not make everything about gender, not make everything about sexual preference, not make everything about the way people feel or somebody feels marginalized or somebody feels attacked or somebody feels like, you know, just because you're offended or because something bothers you doesn't mean that you have a right to like cancel or call somebody out. The world is offensive. Life is offensive. Society is offensive. And... If you walk around, you know, with a hammer, every problem is a nail. And if that hammer is everything has to be viewed through a lens of race, then you will literally walk around and see everything as a racist. And that is problematic. If you've ever met somebody who thinks like this, the person is constantly under attack in their mind about what (laughs) is going on and whether this is good or whether this is bad, whether this is racist or not racist. And that is not a way to run society. That is not a way to develop a progressive society. That is not a way to engage in conversation and have a range of discourse that is large. When you do that, all you do is limit range of discourse and you make things more difficult and more problematic where nobody can agree on anything because all you do is attack people. Uh, and I, and it's just not me because this is even seen in, in, Afri- in the black community where people don't even agree with this where, for example, you have an article in Ebony which is called Five Things Woke People Have to Stop Doing. And some of the things that I mentioned was calling out people in unhelpful ways, judging others who don't think like us, looking down on less woke folks. And the article ends with an interesting quote that says, Wokeness should never be associated with a pompous attitude. And... I know you've seen it. I know I've seen it on the internet where people debate and the woke person is just ravaging and they're pissed off and they're snarling at the mouth like a dog who just got rabies, wanting to kill somebody for not agreeing with their point, for not understanding, or like they like get so amped up on emotion and then the person asks them a question and they freeze because they can't answer it. Like, These are things that occur when somebody is so obsessed with an ideology and they see everything from a race or gender um, view. That is limiting your range of discourse. That is limiting your understanding. That is limiting your thought process. You know, and this is what I mean by that in wokeness, you either get with it or get lost. You either understand the ideology or you don't. And if you don't, you are attacked, you are chastised. And when somebody defends themselves, you know, it's like baseball, right? When you have a certain type of player that they either strike out, hit a home run, or they pop up. If you are that person that defends yourself against the wokeness, you either strike out, hit a home run, or you get a pop-up, right? And this is seen a lot. And it's not just me. There's a lot of people complaining about it. There's a lot of people should. You have an article, uh, Why I'm Not Woke by Romy Dalgan. Uh, And in this article, Romy says, furthermore, we have reached a point where we often isolate ourselves from people with differing political opinions. This is harmful in the obvious sense. It diminishes open, enriching political discourse. 
However, even more harmful is the reduction of individuals with whom we disagree to nothing more than their political beliefs. We allow our own self-image to be defined by our political identification. We fail to realize that people are more than their votes for Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump. People have families, friends, hobbies, passions, thoughts, and priorities. A Trump voter is not a racist, and a Clinton voter is not trying to leaf off, leech off your money. There are simply people who have different opinions than you. Those opinions do not make them dumb or evil. Those opinions do not have to mean that they are not woke. They are different, but they are not invalid. And Romy makes a great point that wokeness and by and large, extreme conservatism has done a very good job of creating political tribes where it's gotten so bad where people are like the Red Sox and, and, and Yankees in the early 2000s. You know, that was blood beef. There's like bloods and crips now with conservatives and lefties, with wokies and, and the conservatives or even wokies and critical thinkers, that you can't have a differing opinion or people will attack you. And 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 people do this all the time. You know, they virtue signal. You know, even you see like now with COVID, it's like, wear your mask. It's like, man, fuck you. I don't have to if I'm outside. Why do you keep bothering me? Or when people make jokes and somebody goes, oh, that's racist or oh, that's sexist or oh, that's offensive. Really, is it? Is it? If it's a joke, is it really offensive is it really racist is it really sexist if somebody's fat and i tell them to lose weight do i really hate fat people no if somebody's trans and i want to sleep with them am i really hating a trans person no but once again if you do not if you do not kowtow it's over for you it is over for you they will attack you they will cancel you they will Try to come for you. And I'm not fear-mongering because I'm not afraid of these people. These people are stupid. But it's just a waste of time to get into the discussions and have to deal with this crap. You know? It's, it doesn't It doesn't even matter. It doesn't even matter. But to some people, it does. And I know a lot of people. Trust me, I know a lot of people, especially people who, who claim that they're liberal, who say that they're liberal, they vote Democrat, who are afraid to even have opinions or say certain things because... It has gotten so bad with the groupthink. It has gotten so bad with the one ideology. It has gotten so bad where people are just terrified of even having a different opinion. And it's insane. And it reminds me of an article that I read uh, from Evan Gertzman. It's called Cancel Culture is Only Getting Worse. Right? And Evan makes a very good point that there are people who can survive getting canceled right so somebody like me i have a secure employment where my employment is not affected by this podcast or what i do outside of this and there's some people i know who don't who work in very liberal places where they can't say certain things they can't even do certain things without being labeled a racist or a woman hater or something like that and in this article which it reminds me of i guess says um the victims of cancel culture are generally not powerful people, so please remember that. They are often vulnerable people who suffer devastating harm. A, for example, a previous post I made discussed an African-American security guard who was fired for using the N-word in the course of telling a, store, a student not to direct the word at him. Thankfully, he was rehired after national fervor erupted. The same post discussed a teacher who was fired for inadvertently failing to address a student by his self-identified gender pronoun. The security guard and teacher each have children to support and lost their health insurance as well as their income when they were fired. These are hardly examples of the rich in power. The situation is already deteriorated to the point that no one no longer even needs to say anything to be targeted by cancel culture. At Skidmore College, a professor was boycotted for mailing attending a pro-police back the blue rally. He didn't participate in any way. He didn't speak or shout slogans, or carry a sign. He just wanted to hear what the demonstrators had to say. But an email circulated at the college saying, Tonight, I and other Skidmore students witnessed Professor David Peterson and Andrea Peterson at an anti-Black Lives Matter protest. We demand the immediate dismissal of both Skidmore staff members for engaging in hateful conduct that threatens the Skidmore students. It turned out that Miss Peterson doesn't even work at the college. It is no way in contemporary cancel culture about free speech or debate. Nor it is any longer about social justice. The power to get someone fired is a thrilling feeling. It also strengthens group bonds and can raise someone's social standing in certain groups. 
it is now hard to understand why people would be willing to look further and further afield to find targets. And and this is the point that Evan is making is that this is just going to get worse. And the pendulum will continue to swing to an extreme. And the pendulum will either swing extreme left where it gets to the point where, where it's like we don't even understand what's going on. Or it swings hard right where everybody else in the counterculture is like, you know what, fuck you. We're bringing everything back. All the raw stuff back. And that's what my fear is. That's what my thing is, is that this is getting a little too extreme where there's like no breaks on it. If you have any disagreement with people who are quote-unquote woke, they immediately call to kill, call to kill your, your life, your career, your livelihood, everything because you don't agree. Because you're a terrorist, or you're a Trump supporter, or you're racist, or you're transphobic, or you're fatphobic, or you hate women, or you hate gay people, or you're cis and you're privileged. And it's just all these levels, all these subcultures of oppression just being thrown at you. And you have to somehow navigate all of these subcultures of oppression and figure out who you don't offend, and who you do offend, and who's bothered, and who's not bothered, and what the issue is, and... What can I say and what I can't say? And like I said, I'm all for canceling speech that is hateful, that incites violence, that, you know, causes real damage to people. Not fucking jokes or somebody says something that's funny, you're going to cancel somebody. No. Or if somebody disagrees with me, I'm going to try to cancel them. No. But that's where woke culture or wokeness is at where people now... Like I said, if you don't agree, they're going to fucking come for you or they're going to stop talking to you. You don't know how many people I know that they've lost friends because of this. I don't lose friends because everybody just who's my friend knows I'm a fucking psycho. So they just go, OK, but people nowadays are so divided. The range of discourse is so small that it's just it's, it's sad that people have fallen to it. But. The thing is, is that the Wokies will eat themselves up because they always do. You're never too pure enough. But also, just like it's been co-opted by corporations, by athletes, politicians, famous people, TV, news, media, print, mag, everything. There are also infiltrators amongst the wokeness, right? And it has created what we call slacktivism. Or, which is better yet, better yet, known as phone activism. And if I can give you an example, main example would be hashtag Black Tuesday. With the Black Lives Matter Black Square. That was supposed to be like a thing to help Black Lives Matter. But actually it hurt them in the long run. And did not allow them to have the actual protests and meetups that they wanted. And it was co-opted by people trying to troll the organization. But... There was an article posted last year in Psychology Today which explains to this, which is called The Promise and Problems of Being Woke. Many people are woke to society's challenge. Here's when that's a problem. Okay? Perhaps the long overdue correction of wokeism is sometimes leading to an overcorrection of sorts. This can happen when people who are woke call out or cancel those that they perceive not to be woke or woke enough. Canceling someone occurs when one person says or does something to which others who are woke object and then that person gets shamed and criticized, usually on social media. That person's reputation is ruined and he or she might not ever be able to recover from being canceled. Now, the question is, does this even work and do people even agree with this? Well, in a 2019 interview, President Obama expressed strong concerns about wokeism and call-out cancel culture and said this idea of purity... And, 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 and oh, wait, wait, should I do my Obama voice? I'm, I'm going to do my Obama voice. I'm going to see if I can still do it because I used to be able to do that. Uh, uh, this idea of purity and uh, you never compromise and you're always politically woke and all that stuff. Uh, you should get over that quickly. Uh, the, the world is messy and uh, there are ambiguities. People who do really good stuff have flaws. Uh, people who you are fighting may love their kids and uh, share certain things with you. Uh, let's enter a round of applause for me. That was my Obama voice. Um, I take payments through PayPal and Zelle, if you like that. Now, now, now moving on. Uh, 
if Obama has a problem with it, well, Obama's a moderate anyway. But the point is, is that it's 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 obvious that not only has this movement co-opted, not only has this movement made it so that everything is about race, not only has this movement, you know, made it so that everybody hates each other and the political discourse is fucking so small. It is also creating lazy people who think that because they tweet or say something on social media that they are now part of the tribe or they actually did something. Uh, this is another article by Rachel Liu, says the pitfalls of woke culture. Now, she says, over the years, woke activists have received their fair share of criticism for being cheapened by performativity. Uh, do you use the word intersectional intersectionality a lot, even if you aren't exactly sure what it means? If yes, you are progressing well along your journey of wokefulness. This sense of performativity is heightened by news outlets and social media platforms who sought to condemn public failures and influences for purported unwokeness. In concept, social media activism looks good. It provides an opportunity to spread awareness. People who cannot necessarily donate time or money, especially in the midst of pandemic, but in reality, it's becoming more of a way to soothe their own conscience of people who are unwilling to actually help make change. Uh, Kelly Conley, a high school student and BLM supporter, said it makes them feel better, like they're not complacent to racism, sexism, homophobia, but the effect is actually minimal. High schooler understands that this shit's all a scam, and it's giving a way to, for people to just exploit it. Uh, it's giving a way for people to, you know, just take advantage, to just try to get famous, to make themselves feel better with their virtual signaling, to give themselves a moral superiority, to make themselves feel better, to make them say, I have the high ground, you fucking racist asshole, fuck you. But in reality, you're not doing anything, right? You know, we can go back, for example, and mention who we mentioned in the beginning, Miss Robin D'Angelo. And uh, we can talk about the Helen Lewis article where I took another part, where she says that this is worse than mere nasal gaving. It's synthetic activism. It risks making readers feel full of piety and righteousness without actually doing anything. Buying a book on white fragility improves the lives of the most marginalized far less than, say, donating to voting rights. Or volunteering at a food bank. This is not activism. It's hobbyism. Now, why is D'Angelo's book so popular? Look at the economics. White fragility is a staple of diversity training in universities from London to Iowa. And at publications including Britain's right-wing Telegraph newspaper as well as The Atlantic. D'Angelo's client list includes giant corporations such as Amazon, Unilever, Bill and, Gate, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, Hollywood Writers Guild, YMCA, Seattle Public School, City of Oakland, and the Council of Minneapolis, Minnesota. Now, diversity training is a $8 billion a year business, okay? Now, Iris Bonnet, a public policy professor at the Harvard School, says, I did not even find a single study that found that diversity and training, in fact, even leads to more diversity. Part of the problem is although those delivering them are undoubtedly well-meaning, the training programs are typically no more scientifically grounded than previous management course favorites, such as the Myers-Briggs implicit bias test. Okay, end quote. The point is, is that this ideology, once again, like any ideology, like anything based in political discourse and based in tribalism with politics leads to people who are grifters leads to people who use the movement to get famous, to use the movement to make money, and who use the movement to just become race baiters and not actually do anything for the culture at all. Uh, look at, for example, Mr. Sean King, who claims he's Mr. Justice, but in 2017 he tweeted that he couldn't stand the Biden-Harris ticket and he thought that if those two ran, they would be the two worst candidates, but then this year... Last when they last year when they got elected, he went on Twitter and praised them. This is a guy who's been accused of creating foundations and doing nothing with the money. This is a person who's been accused by black women of stealing their work, not paying them for work, keeping donations. And this is a guy who's a known race baiter who makes up stories about white people pulling up in Walmart parking lots and killing a family of black people. But nobody questions anything because why? He is part of the tribe. Sean King is part of the family. Sean King is part of the group. Sean King speaks 
in the language. Sean King used the words like intersectionality, like oppression, like like misogyny and matriarchy and patriarchy. He uses those words. He pushes that narrative so people love him and people push it. And this is what I'm and this is the problem that essentially wokeness has become this self-fulfilling, self-revolving, self-praising circle where if you say the right things, do the right things and act the right way, you can become famous for not really doing anything. Just because you believe certain things, you will be popping. And you see people who do this all the time with like low-hanging fruit. Like I saw somebody attack Danny Lay for her song about light-skinned women. But then for me, it was just like Danny Lay's in a catch-22 because she's Dominican and light-skinned. But if she doesn't claim her blackness, people will say that she's white. She's trying to claim white. But if she claims her blackness, people say that she's not dark enough and that her music and that her songs make it hard for quote-unquote black women. That's, that's a reach. And the worst part is that the person who posted this was like some singer who has like a thousand followers and thought that she was saying something. You weren't saying anything. I know you felt better when you went to bed, you know, making sending that message out. But in reality, you're nobody. You're not important. And that's the thing. People wake up and they tweet, oh, something, 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 social justice. And they think that it does anything. And it does nothing. You're just spitting garbage out into the ether and you're not helping anybody. It's, it's garbage. It's bullshit. And when it's bullshit... It leads to bullshit thoughts. It leads to ridiculous premises and it leads to ridiculous opinions. And it's so bad, though, with the wokeness and how people just fake it and they're grifters and they do all this other stuff that there was a Vice article uh, written by Serena Smith who talked about woke fishing. And uh, woke fishing is when a person who is talking to another person starts asking them vague questions regarding progressive causes in an effort to determine their interest level And then mirrors their responses. So, yes, ladies, if I do have any female listeners out here. That nigga, when he said that uh, he was for social justice and he was a feminist, he was lying. He wasn't a feminist. He just wanted to fuck. And that's the problem, with once again, with ideologies, where I'm tired of telling people. Ideologies are fantasies for adults. You should never tie yourself to any political ideology. You should never tie yourself to any racial ideology, any gender gender ideology. You should never tie yourself to ideologies because they do not lead to progress. They lead to sustaining the status quo and they lead to not fixing anything. And ultimately, that's what's happened with wokeness. You have seen nothing happen except what? A couple more black actors in movies. A couple more gay people. Change the rules here and there to make it harder for movies to get nominated for awards but there has been no legalization or no anything anything that matters that has happened from wokeness except ridiculous thoughts and opinions which i left for last because i'm gonna recap everything at the end but ultimately this is one of the craziest things about wokeness is that the thought processes when you kind of understand the languages when you kind of understand the way this works you kind of get to the point where you go, okay, this is I know where this is coming from. So these are things that have been put out there in the ether, on the internet, in articles, tweets, thoughts, posts on Instagram. And I didn't really source any of it. This is just things that I've seen myself and things that I know everybody else has seen and that I can look for it. I didn't really write any of it down, like word for word. But these are things that have come from woke ideology in the past, I would say like three or four years. Um, and some of them are, let's see. Having children is anti-environment. Um, not being attracted to trans people is anti-trans and transphobic. Breastfeeding is not natural and represents the patriarchy and does not uh, allow a family to have an equal relationship when it comes to childbearing. There is racism in math. Scientific papers can be racist and misogynistic. Men can have periods too. Gender neutral language that was put in place in Congress. So for example, you don't say father, you say parent of child. You don't say son, you say male child, male child, right? Uh, You don't say mother-in-law, you say parent-in-law. Just ridiculousness. 
Uh, in Europe, midwives are being told to not use the term breastfeeding. They're told to use the term chest feeding because um, mermaid dads, which are trans women, I mean trans men who keep the vagina and the ovaries and stuff like that, they can still get pregnant. So women aren't the only ones that get pregnant now in, in woke culture. Uh, losing weight is fat phobic. That was one of my favorite ones. Uh, you can be fat and obese, but be healthy. Uh, a professor got fired for pronouncing a Chinese word in class, meaning he was teaching them how to speak Chinese, and he pronounced a Chinese word that kind of sounds like the N-word, and he was fired. Uh, Political Magazine, which is a magazine that hires left and right writers, uh, hired Ben Shapiro for their yearly political playbook. And this is a playbook that's written every year by a different person. And he just happened to get caught because he was conservative. Attacked. And people said that Politico should not be hiring him to write this. Uh, all white people are racist. Another one of my favorites. Uh, black cis hetero men are inherently anti-trans. Uh, trying to cancel Chris Pratt for the church that he goes to. Because his church thinks that being gay is a sin. But he goes to church. What do you expect? It's in the Bible. He may not think that. But, you know, they didn't ask him that, right? And this is the most recent one. Which was kind of one my fa- one of my favorites. Because it, may just, it just explains to you wokeness. So, I don't watch RuPaul's Drag Race a lot. But I do watch it. I like the show. Right? So that's a hot covers fact right there. I like the show RuPaul's Drag Race. Very popping. Shout out to Melissa. She loves that show. And in this season, they had a trans man on the show. And RuPaul essentially made a comment about that she didn't agree that the trans man should be on the show. Not because she hates trans people, but because in order to be a drag queen, you need to have balls. Right? If there's no tuck, there is no drag. Chaos ensued. How dare you not say she's a man or he's a man? That is a man. That is a man. So RuPaul had to take coming back and RuPaul let the trans man be on the show. But you find it very odd in wokeness with the way that they just eliminate things and ideologies because the fact that a woman transitions to a man to then dress up like a woman just makes you think that there's probably something else going on there other than RuPaul. That's definitely not the problem. That person might be the problem because they don't seem to understand that in order to be a drag queen, you have to be an actual man. But who's to say, right? And that's the problem. Who's to say? And the people that are saying is the Wokies. They're the ones in charge. They are the ones that are going to make things even worse if people don't stand up. And this is not a culture war, like a left or right thing. I don't believe it's a culture war. I just believe that the only way to fight bad ideas is with good ideas. And we, as the people who are critical thinkers, we need to stand up to this. And so so does everybody else. Because, to recap, wokeness started out as something that was good. Right? You want social justice, you want racial justice for people. That's fine. That's all well and dandy. But it becomes a problem when the movement gets co opted by corporations, by athletes, by politicians, by TV, media, print, where they sell you BLM t shirts and tell you to stream black artists on this platform and Read this article on my website that's about Black Lives Matter and vote for us because we're for Black Lives Matter. Or if you want to be a part of a movement that gives way to grifters who write books about white fragility, but scientifically they have no premise or no effectiveness. Or if you want to be part of a movement that gives way to ridiculous thoughts and opinions that limits the range of discourse 
that causes people to be divided and hate each other and fight, that makes people the enemy just based off the fact that they don't agree with you, that looks at everything through a view of race and gender, then wokeness is for you. But if you don't want to live in that world, then the best thing you can do is stand up for yourself. Stand up to them. Tell them no. Tell them how you feel. Tell them what you think and explain to them that that they are wrong. That we do not need uniformity of ideas and we do not need uniformity of beliefs and we do not need uniformity of perspective. Society is way too big. The universe is way too large for people to be bound by one ideology and one thought process. For people to say that this is the way it needs to be done and this is the way that it works. That is not the case and that will never be the case. Wokeness has become that. It has become one thought process, one ideology, and one world where people who don't agree have been kicked, pushed, and disregarded as racist, homophobic, transphobic, problematic, abusive, perverted, whatever you want to call it. There's there's always a word to attack you when you don't agree, but... I hope that people don't give in. I hope that people stop giving in. And I hope that people understand that those who are woke are actually asleep. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that was my episode on the problem with wokeness. You can find more episodes like this on the Critical Chef Podcast uh, page, which is available on Apple Music, Spotify Music, Google Play, and anywhere else podcasts are streamed, pushed, and downloaded. Uh, Please, if you have any questions, please send me a DM at the Critical Chef Podcast on Instagram. Uh, You can also DM me on my personal Instagram, which is klvs.cdno. You can also send an email uh, to the Critical Chef Podcast at gmail.com. If you want to collab, if you want me on your show, if you want to be on the show, please send me some information, send me anything, and we'll have a discussion. Uh, Once again, I want to thank you for joining me. I want to thank everybody for listening in. And please remember, always be a good person, always be respectful, and never stop thinking critically. Peace.